Welcome to Maximum Mom with Elise Bowie, where you'll hear from women who are navigating the same messy journey as you. Lawyering, entrepreneurship, and mothering. What a trifecta. We're here to share tips, resources, wins, losses, and encouragement for moms who are raising a family while building a law firm. So you feel less alone in your journey toward a fulfilling career and being the best mom you can be. Good morning. Welcome to the Maximum Mom podcast. Today, I am here with Sonia Sigler. Did I say that right? Absolutely. Sonia Sigler. Yay. Welcome. Thank you for joining us today. I am so glad to be here chatting with you. Yeah, we're thrilled to have you. Well, first, you have to tell everybody where you are because I think it's kind of fun. Oh, so this is a place on my bucket list, Alaska. So I'm sitting here in a hotel room in Seward, Alaska. That is awesome. And tell us, you've been to a lot of states. (laughs) Though I haven't counted, I don't (laughs) think I've been to as many states as you. (laughs) Uh, This is uh, 48. 48. Yeah. So I have two left. I have South Dakota and I have Montana. That is so awesome. I can't wait to hear how the trips go to both those (laughs) states so you can round this out. So I'm here actually with three other friends, one who lives in Seattle near you, and then the other two live in Atlanta next to each other and they're flight attendants. And so they're like, oh, we can meet you anywhere. And then one of them was like, this is my 50th. And the other one, this is my 50th state. And then one realized she missed Delaware. So now we got to fit Delaware in somewhere. (laughs) That is so awesome. Well, I want to start. I always like to find out, you know, what makes you a mom? Like who is in your family Tell us a little bit about your family and what it looks like now. Okay. I have three boys. They are 20, 22, and 23. I had them really close together between like 30 and 35. So I wanted to get it all over with and be be done with it. And people thought I was crazy. And like, I'm like, no, feed one, feed the other, diaper one, diaper the other, you're all good. So I'm glad I had them all together. And now they're super close. The oldest, Jasper, he lives in the Bay Area. He's decided to stay there. And he, when the pandemic allows in-person classes at Davis, he's going to go back to Davis. He doesn't like the online stuff. So he's the one that's raising his hand and talking in class. So he's looking forward to that again. I never spoke in class in college. Law school is a different story. You know, high school is a different story, but college, I was like taking notes and not talking. So he's the one actually talking. So I got to give him kudos. The middle one actually now lives with us. He's 20 and he finished a folder and he's working at a startup and he did a computer science degree. So he's all steeped in startups. And the other morning he was, you know, coming back in, eating breakfast outside, you know, for the one month we can eat outside in Washington. And (laughs) I was like, so how's it going? You know, how's, you know, welcome to the rest of your life. And he's like, mom, I've been doing this since seventh grade. You know, now I just don't have school to contend with. And it's totally true because he's been, he and his best friend have started several companies and they're just, he's just doing the same thing. So he's good. And then the other one lives with us and he's 20 and he's doing the welding program at Clark college and working for an arborist. So he's now learning the value of hard work and working outside. He comes home and he's covered head to toe in tree dust and uh, sweat and (laughs) And takes a shower and then lays on the couch and like he is out like light. That is <laughs> so awesome. <he's>, um, <laughs> now learning the value of physical labor. Absolutely. There's nothing like good physical labor to teach them a lot of life lessons. Oh, yeah. Like I'm not going to do this forever. <laughs> exactly. 
Well, tell us a little bit about your professional career. What did you do coming along? Because haven't you changed professional careers? I have, yes. So I spent the first 25 years of my career as a lawyer, intellectual property, corporate. I worked in-house my whole career. I was at Sega for a few years and then into it for a few years during all the new stuff, all the online banking and stuff when all that was new. I was a lawyer who negotiated with all the banks to get your data into Quicken. Crazy stuff. Like you can't even make up stuff. Like the Sega channel was like, how do you get video games from your cable TV box into, you know, your video game machine? So just fun stuff, new stuff. What I realized and I stopped being a lawyer. So when I was at Intuit, I was like, this is a great job, but it's not for me. Like I had so, (laughs) so much M&A work and due diligence and just was so burned out. And I had one kid and was about to have the second. And I was like, I don't want to go back to this job. And so I took a little more extended maternity leave. And I was like, what do I really want to do? And I had the opportunity to go to a startup. And so I spent the last 20 years of my career at startups and doing the beginning phases and the early work for companies. So not just on the legal side, but on the operations and business development side. So I had dual roles on the business side and the legal side for the last 20 years. And then a few years ago, I gave a presentation called the top 10 tips to manage your career. And after I gave that talk, I was writing up the notes to send out and it was to the women in e-discovery group in San Francisco. Uh So I sent the notes out and I was like, this needs to be a book. And so I spent a few years writing, not writing, making up exercises to help people like draw that information out of them. Like people usually find that they're stuck in their career because they, they had goals and they met them and they didn't reset new goals or Mm -hmm. they don't care about those goals anymore. They've changed what they want to be doing, but they haven't really realized it or articulated it. So I was doing coaching and mentoring all along in my career. I've started a women's group, no matter where I've been. I started one at Sega. We merged that one with another one, women in technology. So all along I've been mentoring people and I thought, Oh, I'm getting more value out of that. You know, mentoring the CEOs of these startups And my husband's like, you need to do that full time. So in 2018, I started my own company called Practigal to be able to mentor CEOs, lawyers, entrepreneurs, all the people I know and love. So that's what I've been doing for the last few years. And I wrote a couple books about it. I'm like, other, like I get, I'm the kind of lawyer who was like, if someone asks me the same question, I'm like, I got to make a process or a procedure. So I don't have to answer that same question again. I, I, <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. So that's what I did. I wrote all that stuff down in a, in a book, two books, and now I'm getting ready to do the third one. So that's what I spend my time now is helping people. I do talks and presentations and I coach individuals and I coach teams to help them, you know, work more efficiently, better, you know, productivity wise. And then just from a self-satisfaction, is this, am I doing what I really want to be doing? So um, that's amazing. I love your inspiration to write books though, around really putting things down so that you're not answering the same questions over and over again. I mean, that is something that we all can learn. And especially from an operations standpoint, I mean, I just got off a Zoom call right before we got on this podcast and I was saying, we have got to systematize something. And I said, I sound so rabid about it. I realized, you know, to other people, they must think Elise is so over the top with this, but I'm like, Until we systematize it, it's just kind of a mess. And I think people don't realize, like I work with some law firm owners who are like, I want to grow my firm and I want to work less. I'm like, oh, we can do that. You just have to systematize and and operationally be excellent. And, you know, that's 
what I'm brilliant at. I help people put those processes and procedures in place so that they can have the freedom to do something like what I'm doing right now, you know, travel to Alaska and still do my work. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and I think you made such a good point when you talk about people having goals and then either achieving them or maybe changing them, but then not articulating that. I mean, how do you work with people to articulate that pivot that they might have made internally, but they might not even realize they've made it? Yeah, I have some exercises that I uh, take people through. I'll just give you an example. So sometimes lawyers will practice 10, 15 years and then they'll be like, I'm bored. I'm, you know, I've done this. I feel like I, I'm not learning anything. I'm not challenged. I'm like, okay, let's look at the work that you do like that really energizes you. And so we'll go through, you know, what that looks like. And then we'll say, what really sucks the energy out of you? Like I know for a lot of solo business people, entrepreneurs who are just starting all the finance and all that back end stuff really drives them around the bend and they don't want to do it. So one client, she just hired a bookkeeper to begin with because she's like, I know that I do not want to do this. So she just sends all her receipts, like scans them in, sends them to her bookkeeper and then talks on Friday to the bookkeeper. So she has finance Fridays. (laughs) And so she'll talk to her bookkeeper and get all that stuff done. And she's like, I just set it up from the beginning because I knew I never wanted to be the person doing that. Like I used Quicken before I ever worked it into it. So I love the elegance of knowing where every penny is. (laughs) And so for me, it's soothing to go through and make sure it's all balanced. Like when I had 10 million shares of stock at Catafora, I knew where every share of stock was, you know, like I knew my numbers were going to tie out. And for me, that was self-soothing and comforting other people. They're like, I don't care where that $3 and 20 cents went. I'm doing an adjustment and I'm moving on. (laughs) But that kind of thing, whether you draw energy from it or whether you are like, that drains me and I never want to do that, that helps frame what they want to do going forward. Do they want to keep doing the work they're doing? And just, you know, one of the essential questions I ask is, if you had a different role at the company you're at now, would you want to stay at the company? So that for me at Intuit, Intuit was an amazing company. I love the legal department. I hated my job. If I had to do one more due diligence where I was going to spend a month, you know, investigating stuff and just telling you this was a bad deal when you know it from a right away, or it was a good deal, let's keep going. Like that was exhausting. And so for me, doing that same thing over and over and over was not like I don't make a good controller because I'm like, didn't I already close the books last month? Right. Exactly. <laughs> I made a better CFO because I'd be like, oh, strategy, let's figure out how to get a line of credit in place so we can grow this business unit. So right. for me, knowing that that repetitive work was not where I drew energy and knowing that I needed something new to start up and something to to invent something, some process was new or this hasn't been done. And how do I help do it myself? Or how do I help a business person make this happen? I knew for me, I had to go earlier in the process, but someone else who was like, oh, I do like negotiating the same kind of agreement over and over. Then we're going to find a different role for that because that challenge is different than the challenge of, you know, going starting something over and over. So that's one area where I just walk people through, tell me what you like about your job, what you don't like. And if that doesn't like actually answer the question, then we go back and say, okay, what other job, you know, let's go back. And and I have this exercise called every job. I make people write down everything from babysitting to the lemonade stand to what you do today. And then we find trends across there 
And that's really where I found that I'm much more entrepreneurial than most lawyers, and I'm much more business oriented than most lawyers. And so I knew I needed to be on that business side, either at a startup or in a dual role. And, and that's where I found something I loved. And I found it all just in time to stop being a lawyer and paid off all my you know, law school loans. <laughs> <laughs> but then I kept getting sucked back into the legal side of it because I knew what needed to be done from the legal side. So that's why I ended up in dual roles all that time, you know, for about 20 years. But now you're not right now. You are just solely doing the coaching work, writing, yeah. consulting. Yeah. Yep. So now I have the joy when someone says, can you look at this agreement and say, no, I'm not practicing law anymore. I'm a retired lawyer. <laughs> that is awesome. I love that. That is so awesome. Well, now your books, I mean, doesn't some of your books talk about self-care and how you see self-care, you know, not just in that, I don't know, kind of typical way. Sometimes people talk about, I'm taking a day off, you know, to go just enjoy the spa or just relax for a day and self-care is a little bit more than just relaxing for a day. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting. I moved out in gosh, 2013 after 20 years of being married mm -hmm. and I didn't realize how far afield I had gone and how much sense of self I had lost in that 20 year relationship or 20 year marriage and three years before that. So I didn't realize it until I wasn't in it any longer. And so I really had to figure out how am I going to do all this on my own? I was the sole breadwinner. I had three kids, uh, two households I'm supporting. So how am I going to do this and not you know, lose my mind? And one of the things that happened was I had taken a job in San Francisco. So not only was I taking kids to school and all that stuff, but I was commuting to San Francisco. So an hour, an hour and 10 minutes. And I had a very tight schedule to drive to the BART station, get the BART train, get to my office and then reverse it on the way back to get my kids from school. This was before they had driver's licenses. So it was a very narrow window. And I woke up early one day and I thought, oh, I'll just get the train an hour earlier. Well, there wasn't a train an hour earlier. Like I didn't know the schedule well enough. I knew I had to catch the 722 train. I thought, oh, I'll just catch the 622 train. There wasn't one. So I was like, crap, what am I going to do for an hour? So I was like, I can exercise. So I went, put my running clothes on, ran for 20 minutes, came back, cleaned up, caught the 722 train. And I was like, wow, if I just get up an hour earlier each day, I can exercise because that was, I was having trouble fitting that in. Sure. I was actually trying to exercise when they were at football practice. I would just go yeah. around the track while they're at football practice while I was captive <laughs> or I'd make calls or, you know, read. But that's what really started me down the path of self-care and putting it front and central and putting it on a daily basis because it made me do a couple things. One, I slept better. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And that meant the stress dissipated on a daily basis as opposed to building up. Right. And then I drank less. <laughs> so I almost stopped drinking completely because I was like, oh, I'm not, I don't crave that sugar when I'm exercising. Mm -hmm. And then it made me want to exercise more. <laughs> so that was the kicker out of all that. And so I realized I really had to hold that time vigilant. Right. Like I needed to hold that boundary. So that boundary setting and that self-care instead of being an afterthought or at the bottom of the list, which is where I had been for 20 years, like, oh, I could fit in yoga at, you know, seven on Sunday morning, you know, <laughs> everybody should be sleeping or whatever. Like I realized it had to be a priority. So when I made that change, I became a healthier person. Right. And That's amazing. 
oh my gosh, I can't tell you how much of a difference it's made the last, you know, eight years to be able to to do that. And do you still keep up with your self-care in that same way on a daily basis? I would say the pandemic threw that out the window and (laughs) it was a mental mind flip because I was like, oh, we can't leave the house. Oh, we can't. And, And really I should have been like, no, I need to still exercise every day. So it's gone to hell in a handbasket the last 18 months. So oh, what yeah. I've started to do is my husband and I'll be like, okay, at noon, let's make a date and then we'll take a walk or at four o'clock, right. he'll need a break. And so we've been doing that instead. So it doesn't look the same, right. but we're accomplishing the same end That's goal awesome. of exercising and outdoor time. So this was the other important part of this was actually I had two benefits of that one being outside. I don't like a treadmill or anything like that. So I don't do stationary bike or treadmill or anything like that I would go running or walking outside. And so being in the sun, you get your vitamin D um, being outside. It's like um, renewing for me. So that was a benefit. And then the second benefit that I didn't realize at the time is that negative voice in my head. When I'm running, I'm better at dismissing that negative voice and replacing it with something positive. So in the second book, what's next to my career, you peel that layer back of what do I want and stop listening to the naysayers because so many entrepreneurs start listening to that Oh, you know, only one in 10 is successful. Oh, you'll never make this work. Or I can't believe you think that idea is going to work. All those negative things that keep people from starting their own business or keep people in the job that they're unhappy doing or keep them from starting, you know, what they really want to be doing. I stopped listening to that voice. So when I was exercising, it was so much easier just to ignore it or identify it and say, oh, hey. I know you, <laughs> like, I don't need to listen to you and replace totally. something better. So that was the other benefit that I didn't realize that running every morning would pound that out of me, basically. <laughs> it's funny. I mean, I felt the exact same way I used to run. And so around the time I too was divorcing somebody after 18 years of a very difficult relationship. I mean, part of our parallel life. I mean, running was the time that I felt the most powerful was being right. able you know, when I got to the point where I could run hour after hour without stopping, I mean, I was really into this, you know, long runs and I could run for three hours and four hours and not stop. I literally thought I was like Wonder Woman or something. It feels great. Yeah. So powerful. And I think it is so interesting how you were able to really see that. I mean, I wasn't smart enough to put it all together at the time, but I think it is amazing for you that you were able to see that and understand that it was helping you with that negative voice in your head. I call mine Eloise, my <laughs> negative girl. She's always talking smack to me, but I can talk, you know, I can really put her down. Give now. it back, right? Exactly. I'll be like, Eloise, that is not true. Like you just right. made that Exactly. Up. Even that, that's not true. I mean, that literal like denial, right? Yeah. Exactly. Not acceptance. Like I'm not accepting that. Yeah. So I've definitely learned to eavesdrop on Eloise and the things she's saying in there, you know, because that I think has been very helpful. Do you work with your clients and talk about these things in the people you're working with? Absolutely. Because that negative voice, you have no idea how much anxiety that causes, especially in attorneys, the amount of anxiety that we're carrying around and and trying to deal with is just staggering. And so when you start peeling back those layers of why are you anxious all the time and then whether it's 
someone like in my case, my husband being negative all the time or like, where's my dinner? Like you fed the kids. Where's my dinner? I'm like, they ate it all. Sorry. You know, stop, stop somewhere on the way home and get something. But there, there would be like things like that. And, and it's just that anxiety can be crippling for so many people and just peeling back the layers of what's causing the anxiety. And a lot of it is not having control over your own schedule. Yes. So that right there was especially as a mom. Yes. That was one of the biggest things that caused people anxiety. So we just roll back. What do you have control over? What do you want control over? Can you delegate it to someone else? Can like when my kids started driving, hallelujah. Was that the first time I got to meet I got to make dinner in peace and then have the kids come home and not eat the table leg because I actually had made dinner before we, you know, before we all walked in the door hungry. I learned to keep food in my car because, you know, here's a granola bar. I don't know those protein bars because the kids would get home and they were so hungry. And then you're trying to make dinner and they're hungry and they're eating stuff. And they're like, by the time dinner's made, they're They've eaten 15 snacks. Exactly. You know, just that schedule control helps so many different ways. But that anxiety that that loss of um, control or loss of sense of control has, that's one thing we work on. Yeah. So oh. that voice in your head, the anxiety yeah. from the schedule control. Like, I remember I was at summer camp. So we'd go to Lair the Bear every summer. And the week we went, there happened to be a bunch of lawyers there that week. And so all the lawyers would get together and we chat and, you know, play Scrabble or shuffleboard or whatever we're doing. And one of them asked, and I was in the middle of changing jobs and going to a startup. And one of them asked, well, what do you like or don't like about being a lawyer? Why are you making this change? And I said, because my schedule is not my own. Like I have like five or six or seven priorities for today. And the CEO comes and sits in my office and those priorities just went right out the window. And now I've got her priorities to take care of. (laughs) And so I would feel like I never got anything done. And that lack of a a sense of accomplishment is what drove me away from being a lawyer is that I didn't feel like, and I like to cross things off on a list. Like I have my list, I cross (laughs) them off. I get that little sense of satisfaction. Well, the part that's missing when you were a lawyer, you know, I was general counsel and I was CFO and I never had that sense of accomplishment because it never felt like anything was complete. Right. So it wasn't until I left and we sold that company to Ernst & Young and I was cleaning out my office of 11 years and it's like... I didn't realize how much I had actually accomplished. And so when I'm tossing, I had, I was a pack rat and archivist basically for the company, cleaning out my office and the, and the fireproof cabinets. And I'm putting things in the shredder bin. And I started like, Oh, I don't remember that. So I started keeping a list and what it came down to was finance things, operation things, legal things, sales, you know, biz dev thing. And I was like, wow, I put all these processes and procedures in place. I had forgotten about these. And it was like, when I looked at the list of accomplishments, it was like, wow, I did a lot here. And so one thing I do with clients now is it's just a simple T chart. You write a big T on a page, you do personal on one side and, you know, business or professional on the other. And you just write three accomplishments down each day. And it can be as simple as I got the mail and put it away. Right. I made dinner. Like some days it would be like, what did totally. I do today? Like, <laughs> and then some days it would be like work stuff. And so I just kept a list and it's like, okay, that sense of accomplishment was missing on a daily basis right. as a lawyer. And that's one thing that drove me out of the profession was I felt like I never got anything done and that my schedule was not my own. 
The Guild is an insanely productive community of lawyer entrepreneurs with a growth mindset who share their collective genius and hold each other accountable to take their careers and businesses to the next level. But in 2021, we are upping the game. In addition to exclusive access to the group, FaceTime with the two of us, discounted pricing for live events, and front seat exposure to live recording and podcasts and video, we are mapping out for members the exact growth playbook with our new program, Maximum Lawyer in Minimum Time. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships and experience content specifically designed to complement your plan for growth. For a limited time only, the Maximum Lawyer in Minimum Time program will be offered for free to all new Guild members. Join us by going to maxlawguild.com. I think it is so true. It's interesting you bring that up. I was just discussing this weekend. We had some of our kids here and talking about the law in the context a little bit different where you had the CEO kind of plopping down and her priorities became your priorities. But in a litigation practice, you know, with the court, your schedule is never your own. Right. You know, the court can say you're coming to court even when you filed notices of unavailability and you were right. allegedly out of town. Now you're scrambling to change the around. I mean, yeah. and you yeah, know. Now it's a mad scramble, right? To handle exactly. everything. And the thought of with children, you know, when you're doing a litigation practice, whether it's you're actually in court or maybe you're in mediation. I mean, the only time in the history of my parenting that I completely <laughs> boffed and forgot my child was at a mediation that ended up going, you know, way past business hours. And I just completely spaced that I did not come up with a backup plan for, you know, the seven o'clock pickup for my child. And it was, I mean, it was a pretty bad mistake on my part, you know? Yeah. And it's heart wrenching, right? You're like, how could I do that? How could I do that? I mean, exactly. They literally showed up on the football field and pulled my youngest son's older brother off the football field to go get him from school. You know, he, the youngest was in elementary school at the time. <laughs> and I mean, to tell you, I've never lived that down, obviously. <laughs> Big mistake on my part. But I mean, our schedules truly are not our own. And I think that is one of the hardest things, especially as a mom, when you are trying to do all the things you're trying to do, when you cannot control your schedule fully. I mean, you had better have all kinds of backup plans in place. And that I would say that was a hard lesson for me. And I felt like I never did like the carpool and I never did stuff like that. And I always felt like I was behind the eight ball. Thankfully, my office was five minutes from the school, five minutes from my house. So I could handle emergencies like that. And I was high enough up in the company that I could take the time off and do it and didn't feel any compunction to be like, oh, I can't do that. I can't leave my desk or whatever. So I was in a position where I could accommodate that. But I also traveled a lot for work. And so like I was in Boston and I got a call, Hey, your kid's front tooth is knocked out. You know, can you take, you know, and I was like, I'm in Boston. What do you want me to do about it? Call the dad, you know, call Greg, you have his phone number. So there were some things like that where I was like, and I used to leave very detailed lists for Greg. Here's where the kids need to go on a daily basis. And I used to, one trip, I forgot completely to leave any list, like who needs what. Forgot. Like I was so busy getting ready and I forgot. The house didn't burn down. No kids right. you know, was forgotten. Like it all worked. Right. Just, he didn't have the instruction list. So we had to figure it out. So somebody forgot, you know, football, whatever, you know, it just, 
(laughs) It just still worked. And so I took things down a notch after that. I realized I didn't have to like control at all. It's no one is going to die. Everyone's going to get food somewhere in there. They, you know, like it's going to be fine. So once I realized that, that was a big help. But when I first started having kids, my mom lived in Europe. Greg's parents lived in the Middle East. My brother was living in England. So I had no family around. So when I first started having kids, it's like, okay, well, we've got to find a daycare that's close to where we live or close (laughs) to the office. So that was like hard. And you have to leave like right on the dot because otherwise the charge, the penalty and this and that and the other thing. And so that was an adjustment. (laughs) But yeah, if your schedule is not your own, it's hard. And those support systems... To this day, I don't think I had a good support system in place, like the carpool and who that. Right. And we lived a mile from the school and it was K to eight. So they could just walk right on up the hill and go home. People thought I was nuts for letting my kids walk to school. And I was oh, like, me too. me too. That's so interesting. <laughs> well, they would skateboard. It was easy downhill right. to school exactly. and a mile up the hill, you know. <laughs> Like whatever, <laughs> they I mean, liked it. They could walk through the park and you know, come the back, you know, you know, trail from the deer and whatever. Exactly. But it was fine. They all lived. I like going to school. I would run with them. They would scooter and skateboard, right. and I would run. And people would be like, "I just saw your kids go, and then I saw you go." So it was, it was fun. But it was like. I just did things my own way in a way that worked for me. Other people would have dinner on the table at six every night. That was not me as mom. I think the other thing that I try to drum into the head of my clients is success is how you define it. Yes. So don't measure your success by somebody else's yardstick because if you want to have dinner on the table every night at six and that's what you do mm-hmm. more power to you. I couldn't do that because I had three kids in three different sports. And so um, we're running right. around picking up everybody. That's why that one day when Jasper was driving and I could make dinner and have dinner for them when they got home, totally. that was like Nirvana because I was like, hallelujah, I can make dinner in peace and he can go pick up the other kit too from practice and I'll get oh. home and have like, that was game changing. It was. And then the other game changer was when they were all in high school and we had no weekend sports because oh. in high school, all the sports are on weekdays. And I was right. like, what am I supposed to do today? Like <laughs> it, was this, it was this moment. Like, I feel like I should be somewhere or taking somebody somewhere. Oh yeah. Then I could actually watch the 49ers play. Like, I mean, it was like, oh, wow. <laughs> so that was a game changer was high school was a game changer. But there's I agree. your schedule is not your own and you, how can you make it your own? So like, if you do need a better support system, then find the friend whose kid is on the team that can bring them home right. if you can't get, like I know when I was commuting from San Francisco and I would never take another job commuting. That would be like on a big fat no list. But like that was like, I had to have people in place because otherwise- right. It was a much longer walk home from high school, like Absolutely. a five mile walk. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. So I just had to have a couple parents where I could call them and, you know, hey, could you, you know, take Jasper home? But that right. schedule and being able to control it, I would say that's a game changer when you can put a few things in place. Like look at the pain points. Like, is it making meals? Then maybe you need to have someone come in and cook right. for you, like pay a couple hundred dollars a week. Like, where is that pain point for you? Is it worth the money or the money at the problem? Or is it worth changing your schedule to figure out how that works for both of you? I mean, you make such a good point just to really focus on the pain point and figure out what a couple of those pain points are and then drill down and ask yourself those important questions of how can you solve that? You know, 
Is it changing your own schedule? Is it paying somebody? Is it looking internally into your home? Like maybe your husband, is that something he would be great at doing, you know, and really having those conversations because we just can't do it all. I mean, we all want to think we can do it all, but we can't. That's a bad message. You know, I I think you have to define for you what all is. Yeah. So I know that I like to cook. My husband and I like to cook together. So that's one thing we try to do. Okay, let's stop working at six today and make dinner together. Because if we leave it to the kids to make dinner, so now that they're like living with us and making dinner one of those days or two days a week, we won't eat till nine or 10. And I'm like, I need to go to bed at 10. Like I can't eat at 10 and then go to bed 15 minutes later. It doesn't work. Like that's a bad metabolism, you know, habit to get into. So I was like, let's just, we'll stop working at six. We'll make dinner. And if you have to work, you can go back to work after we eat dinner. But having that time together, like, this has been a development during the pandemic of like, we need to figure this out because, you know, we're both working and then no one talks to each other and we're still working. And then it's seven 30 and like, that's not healthy for anybody. So that's been one thing that we've like actually, and, and he started a new job. So that didn't help me. Like I need to prove myself and I need to work all the time to prove myself. So that hasn't helped either. So we've really had to have some long conversations about it to say, what is going to work for you? So that's how we started the walk at noon or the walk at four. And then, you know, setting a time that day. And we do say, okay, what's your schedule like? So we actually review it on Sundays where we right. sit down like, yeah. okay. And when I was traveling, so before the pandemic, I was traveling three, two, three times a month. And so it'd be like, okay, when do you need to be the airport? When do I come get you? Right. Like, so we would actually sync up the schedules on Sundays. And that was one thing that probably could have done better the first marriage. <laughs> but we also had a calendar that we color coded. So each kid had their own color. Personal stuff was green. Work stuff was red. So, you know, you had right. everything. Volunteer stuff was black. So we just had a, a mechanism and we shared everything on a Google calendar. That helped a lot to oh, yeah. send kids different places and work travel. My travel most of the time was planned. So like a conference in September or whatever, I know ahead of time that that's where I was going to be speaking or attending. My first husband's travel would be like, oh, I got to go to New Zealand tomorrow for two weeks. Whoa. I'd be like, wait, I'm already headed to Atlanta two days from now. Like my trip comes first because it was on the calendar. So now you need to call my mom or call somebody else to come stay with the kids or farm the kids out to, because we had a few parents where we could send the kids. So that happened twice where we had to send the kids to a friend's house to stay for the three nights that we, you know, our trips overlapped. So there were some things like that where I was like, I would have taken that on and taken all that anxiety and taken all that. And, and after that trip where I forgot to leave instructions, I was like, Oh, Maybe I don't have to do all this. Maybe I don't have to send myself into anxiety land. And Absolutely. so I was like, your schedule causes this. You get to make all the calls. So it only happened twice. <laughs> and I love that you actually named it though, named the anxiety. I mean, and I, it sounds so silly, but I never thought of it as anxiety producing, but it's exactly what it is. I just thought of it as a big logistical thing I always had to deal with, you know, leaving all those notes and planning for all the contingencies. But I mean, you're right. It actually is anxiety producing because of all the things you're monitoring and keeping up with. Yeah. I think the number of things like going back to your saying, having to do it all or wanting to do it all, I think defining what that all is helps you limit those anxiety producing 
events or changes because it's the unanticipated change that causes anxiety, at least for me. So, and it's something not in my control. So when that schedule changes or whatever, there's one really important thing. I never gave up my hobbies. So Mm -hmm. I know a lot of professionals give up their hobbies when they start and they get work schedules that are overwhelming or, you know, 12 hour days. I never gave up playing trombone. So I always played in an orchestra. So I always had pretty regular rehearsals on Tuesday night or Thursday night. And I never gave up knitting and other crafts like that. So I knit in meetings and I'm kinesthetic learner. So the kinesthetic movement and all that keeps me engaged. (laughs) So people know that about me. So when I join a group or a board or something, I'm like, I am going to knit in meetings. Is that going to be an issue for you? And most people say no. And I've only ever had one person say it's don't be knitting in, in meetings. It looks like you're not paying attention. And I was like, I'm paying attention. Believe me, it's helping me pay attention. Otherwise I'm right. writing a to-do list in my head or I'm writing a letter to my grandmother, like right. <laughs> something else. So that made a big difference of knowing that about me and being able to keep my hobbies in, right. you know, as part of my life and as a sanity keeping measure. So playing trombone is very stress relieving. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of physical feedback and, and you get the sense of accomplishment, you know, every quarter because you're playing a concert. And so you're like, I did something. Right. I felt as a lawyer, I never had that sense of accomplishment. So keeping my hobbies, I always have a come to Jesus talk with my clients because I'm like, what are you not doing that you always say, I wish I could do X. Like, uh-huh. I wish I could go kayaking. I wish I could, uh-huh. you know, finish that quilt I started 10 years ago. I wish I could do, you know, whatever that is, pot or, you know, whatever those hobbies are that you really like, you have to right. reserve some time for that because that's what rejuvenates you and regenerates the energy and the engagement in your mind. And so I never gave those up. So that is one thing that kept me engaged as a person and, you know, balanced a little with what I did professionally. Right. I have to say it's hard when the CEO comes into your office at 645 and sits down and you're like, shit, I got to get to rehearsal at 730 in Sunnyvale. I've got to drive 45 minutes. So there were some balancing things in there where I'd be like, okay, I'm going to decide I'll be late to rehearsal tonight. You know, like there were some things like that where you have to choose, but at the same time, no one else is going to keep those boundaries. Like back to the boundary setting, that's what it is. And the third book that I'm sitting down to write now, that's one of the tips in there is really the boundary setting and the self-care is part of that is no one else is going to do that but you. And that was a hard lesson. It took me a good 15 years of being a professional to learn that no one is going to set those boundaries but me. No one's going to keep them but me. There was a woman I worked with at Intuit and she would not take meetings while she was pumping. Like we all had kids at the same time. A couple of us would be like, oh, I'll just pump while I'm putting my headset on. No one's going to care. And I have an office door that locks and blinds it closed. So Ginny would not do that. And so we, (laughs) that was one where I was like, oh, I should learn. Like that's a boundary. Like it didn't occur to me till later till I was getting divorced and read a book called Boundary Issues that it was a boundary setting issue and a boundary keeping issue. And so that's one area where I had to do a lot of work to figure out, oh, okay, that's something I personally have to work on. Other people are really good at keeping those boundaries. I was not. And so that's one thing I had to work on and change along the way just for (laughs) self-preservation. Oh my gosh. You are such a wealth of information and knowledge. I actually really look forward to learning more about your work. I mean, I'm actually cannot wait to read your third book when it comes out. When do you think that book will come out? 
I know our listeners. Oh my gosh. Uh, If I could just wave my little magic wand, I would be turning in a manuscript on September 7th and have it come out sometime in November, but I've like blown past all those deadlines. (laughs) I set to record the audio book for book two that same week. So this was like deadlines not going together very well. So it's going to be a little bit later. I was hoping to do it this year. And if I can get it at all out late November, December timeframe, that's what I'm shooting for. Cool. Well, that is so exciting. And I really appreciate you being here with us today and especially on your vacation as you enjoy Alaska. And it was great to get to listen to you and hear your tips. How can people find you? Like if they want to reach out to you and work with you, what would be the best way to do that? The easiest way is to find me at sonyasigler.com. So just first and last name.com. And on there, you can uh, send me a message. Info at sonyasigler.com is the fastest way to get a hold of me. And then if you're interested in either of the two books um, that are on there now, so welcome to the next level and welcome is an acronym for the process I take people through. That is sonyasigler.com slash book. And then what's next for my career book number two is sonyasigler.com slash book and the number two. So really, (laughs) really easy to find either of those. And you can download the book for free that way. So I'm happy to share that with everybody. And um, I'll keep you apprised of book number three when it comes out. I can't wait. That's going to be called Set Yourself Up for Success. Oh, I cannot wait. I'm so excited. Well, and I think I'm in myself. I'm going to have to reach out to you because I think there's a lot of things I could learn. I would love to go through some of the processes that you have developed to help people as we kind of move into the next phase, you know, and what is next. Yeah. And I do, I do call that set yourself up for success because what can you do today? So this trip that I'm on, like, what do I need to finish Like normally I would be like, I don't want to have to take my computer. So what do I need to finish for clients or for myself that I don't need to take my computer? And it's freeing once you can set yourself up for success that way. But that's one of the things I would take you through. So I'm happy to do that for you. Absolutely. Well, I really appreciate it. And I hope you enjoy your trip and your sea kayaking and everything. I can't wait to see pictures of all that. (laughs) Excellent. I will make sure to tag you on those. Okay. Thank you. And have a wonderful week. Thank you. Bye. Having me. Yes, indeed. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Mom Podcast, a production of Maximum Lawyer Media. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. See you next time.